triple threat here on whatever podcasting app you have decided to find us on. My name is Kyle Jones. I've been watching way too much Tiger King, and I enjoy, <laughs> as always, my Chance Sticklin and Cole Tusing, and this week's special guest, Turner Klingemeyer. Turner, how you doing? Hey, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can, man, uh, in, in the quarantine life, you know, staying, staying home and uh, watching Netflix and playing some Xbox here and there. And, uh, you know, I'm actually kind of getting ready for the draft uh, next week. I'm super excited for that. But uh, in a general sense, I absolutely miss sports. Uh, way too much I miss sports. It's, it's been hard. It's definitely difficult, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, man, I just, I think the one thing that I miss most is, is live sports, you know, baseball season. Uh, I was looking forward to that a lot and the Cubbies, I don't get to watch my Cubbies. Uh, I know we all don't get to watch, you know, our, our, our teams and, and, and we missed the end of, of, of hockey, you know, my, my nights, we were looking to go to the playoffs again. So it just, it was hard. I was, I was bummed out. Yeah, but it's, it's been rough. Chance, how you Definitely. been doing since last week off? Yeah, so since we last talked Monday, everything's been uh, going super well. To Turner's point, yeah, I think we can all agree that having no sports on TV has really hasn't ruined our lives completely, but it's 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 almost gotten there. Um, oh yeah, and I've heard, uh, and th- I think this came out earlier this week that the PGA will be the first to, I think, return live sports. I think it's June 11th, and that'll be without spectators. They're, so, they're making a shot. That'll give that that'll give viewers and fans something to look forward to in the near day, um, but yeah, it is definitely it's weird. I'm not a person. I'm not a big baseball fan myself, but I know a lot of people are, and I know that you know spring training was up and on the rise, and you know that's canceled, and who knows when that's going to return. And I know that Turner's a big baseball guy. Cole, I know you're a big baseball guy too, and you know our our lone Astros fan uh, down there who's crying with a crying face on him. Uh, is also saddened um but yeah no it's things are things are going well hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel soon um but yeah everything's going well here oh i just like i just want to point out something about about poor kyle quarantine life hit and not only did the astros thing happen but then the texans traded deandre hopkins if i could reach through this zoom call and give you a hug i would because you need one yeah it also didn't help that Despite having two of the greatest players in the NBA, the Rockets also couldn't get above a six seed before the play, before the quarantine stoppage. So, like, Houston just doesn't know how to sport right now. Yeah, they, they forgot. We, we and like the Dynamo have been garbage for the last three years. Uh, we lost hockey in you know 2012. I think it was when the arrows left. We haven't sported right like in a while Cole, and keeping right. the houston tetsons argument a little bit going there are reports that they're thinking of trading deshaun watson for nah, that's unbelievable they won't it's unbelievable but then again i don't think we Noah expected an idiot but he's not that big of an idiot i, I think i don't Whoever think we expected them to trade away deandre hopkins though but Whoever sticking to the that. sports point the nba playoffs would have started today so we had the lakers the first seed going up against the eighth seed, Memphis Grizzlies, and John Morant. And just give a little prayer for everybody because the NBA playoffs would have been amazing. But unfortunately, due to the coronavirus, nope. Yeah, absolutely. 
So Maybe while we have snugs, that would have been that would have been very contentious in my apartment here since I'm living with Joey, the fella from Denver, you know, our, <laughs> our diehard Nugget fan. See, uh, Turner and I are a little bit graceful because at least the Bulls didn't make the playoffs. No, yeah, they sucked, but at least they <laughs> finally, after all these years, they made the right choice and they got rid of Gar Packs. And now, I mean, you're going to see so many Bulls fans just like exit out of their cave and, and join back into society because now the Bulls have a chance to be relevant again. And it's, it's probably the best thing that's happened in quarantine. <laughs> speak, Literally, speak, I, I totally agree with that statement. Speaking of long distance, Turner, where are you coming to us from? So I'm currently right now uh, in Southern California. Uh, I'm with my grandparents uh, right now. It's me and my grandparents and then uh, my, my, my dad and my stepmom. Uh, we're just hanging out in Southern California. Uh, I had to come down here for a little bit of like a, a medical emergency, uh, as you would say. Uh, I guess uh, last week doctors uh, took a look at my left knee. It had been killing me for a while. I thought I like tore a ligament. And surprise, surprise, they found a softball-sized tumor in there. So it was a total scare. But um, we're down here in Southern California going to USC Medical, and they're the best in the biz. And um, we saw a doctor already, and uh, he, he thinks we're going to be okay, thinks it's not going to be anything serious. Uh, but we can't tell until uh, we do a biopsy on the tumor on Monday. So on Monday, I'm on the table. They're going to slice me open. And we're going to see for, for ourselves what's, what's the deal. But, you know, I'm in good spirits and everything's – I feel good. So, yeah, yeah I, think, and I think we're going to get good results. So I'm not really too worried about it. So, yeah, you know, no. I'm just looking right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, best, like, best of luck on that. Well, so I, I, just yeah, to, thank you. I just have to ask because you said softball size. You essentially have like a second kneecap then. Yes, right? actually. Actually, yeah. So, like, as I stand up straight and I look – if I can look directly down, um, you can see that there's, like it's, – it's right on the inside part of my knee. Like, if I was to describe it, it's on the bottom, the very bottom of my femur. Uh, it, where, like, right where it attaches to the knee, it's that bottom part of my femur, and it's just, like, a little bit offset to the right side and, and a little bit raised. And it, you can totally see, like, another bump. And I was like, wow, I'm just – like this swelling is really bad. And then we got looked at and then it made more sense, but you know, it was really crazy. It was definitely a crazy turn of events, but, but you know, I'm here and I'm, and I'm, and I'm doing good and I got my family and I got you guys and my friends. So everything's Absolutely. good, man. I'm feeling good. How well, long, how long has that been uh, giving you grief and kind of pain? Did you just kind so of find out about this or is this something that's been like ongoing? Oh, it's been ongoing. So last summer in July, it started like, feeling sore and I was like eh, I probably tweaked it and then I just kind of let it happen and like oh it'll go away and then you know I toughed it out I toughed it out and, and then eventually it got to the point where I was like okay I should probably go get it looked at because like I hope I'm not walking around on like torn ligaments or whatever and went into the doctor and they took a look at it and then they called me and they're like hey you need to get this looked at so now we're here <laughs> you had you had damaged your knee in high school right I remember you telling me about that <laughs> So, uh, I damaged my right knee. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm coming. I'm just uh, doing a radio show with my buddies. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'll come down and eat food in a second. Um, but, yeah, so I, my right knee, I broke in high school uh, playing baseball my senior year. And then that was surgically reconstructed with plates and screws and someone else's bone. And then and now it's my left knee 
that's that's all messed up so that's super cool so <laughs> i've got two bad knees now so i'm i'm 20 years old coming on 21 but my knees are probably already qualified for retirement wow well, yeah well, so i could probably claim my uh my my, my retirement you know i was just gonna say your retirement is probably right next door to you <laughs> exactly i'm, I'm so that's close so I, I should never work a day in my life i should just collect the retirement paycheck well, hopefully, hopefully it's benign and everything is good. And, and you it will be. I'm, I'm all confident, man. It's all positive energy, and you know, you just got to. It, it's, it's speaking things and thinking things into existence, and that's what's going to happen. So, hey, you know, I, I feel good about it, and, and uh, we're just going to make it work. You know, even if it's the worst case scenario, you know, it's you just got to do it. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get back on the sport grind. You know, obviously, wanting to keep everything up to date last night we had the WNBA draft and uh surprising surprising absolutely nobody on planet earth Sabrina Ionescu going first in the draft <laughs> I it was so the one thing that I saw and, and it was on social media is, is the lack of draft coverage for the WNBA draft and and it's, it's disappointing and and for someone who you know, for all of us who are missing sports greatly right now, how come that wasn't advertised as, as much as, say, the NFL draft? I get that not a lot of people may, may watch the WNBA, but if you're jonesing for sports, put it on. I'd watch it. I mean, if NBA, if basketball fans are willing to watch a horse challenge on virtual <laughs> on potatoes, I think sports fans will be willing to watch the WNBA draft. I agree. Pretty shameless on the part of uh, on the part of ESPN, and it was really shameful coverage that you didn't hear anything about it on on their social media on anything. They aired the draft on ESPN. I'm relatively sure, uh, and and the network never actually promoted it. Well, and, and so my point to that is. There's a guy on, on Twitter now. I don't know if you guys know him. His name is Joey Malerno. He's absolutely hilarious. And he just signed with Barstool, and he does all the funny videos and stuff like that. And he just did a video about how he was, you know, it was a fake interview for ESPN's social media team. And he's like, yeah, I can do all this and stuff like that. And all they were – and the joke was they only want him to post content about LeBron and Bronny James. That's it. That's it. And that is pretty much accurate. That is pretty much all ESPN promotes is LeBron. Yep. Or Zion. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I mean, it's probably. I mean, obviously, it's not true. But like, if if you know the, the joke and the running joke about ESPN, then yeah, they pretty much only talk about LeBron. Yeah, them and Bleacher Report. That's all. That's all that ever gets posted. You know. We'll be in the middle of the Stanley Cup final, and basketball's been done for like a month, and they'll be like, "Hey, uh, remember, uh, remember LeBron dunking on this fool." Exactly. It's that kind of thing. But then I guess the only other thing is I, I think of it as in two ways. Imagine, imagine if this day and age in social media was back in the nineties when Jordan and the boys were going through it. I bet you that Jordan would get the same coverage. I, I bet you, I bet you if we had this kind of social media back in, you know, back in the nineties, Jordan coverage would have been like wall to wall. Like you, yeah. you would have known. Especially after him coming back from retirement the first time. Oh, Exactly. Exactly. I mean, he was just transcendent. You know, multi multiple sports. I mean, you know, played played in the MLB. So I, I just I think that'd be it, it's the same. But you know, 
that's that's on ESPN and that's on Bleacher Report. It's on that's they choose what they want to put out and they choose what they want to promote and stuff like that. And ultimately, you know. Yeah, um, I I think I think to that point too to chime in on the Bleacher Report and you know the the Barstool accounts. I think it's what they have to, and it's from a marketing point of view too. They have to yeah. decide, you know, what. Oh Jesus. We just I just got a I just got a pop up meeting. We got ten minutes left, so I'm gonna have to do something about that. But what what I'm thinking is, you know, it's it's how they want to market themselves and it's who and yeah. they have to appeal to their viewers at the same time. And that's just and that who that's who pays attention to those accounts. You know, you have rugrats like you, me, all of us who follow Barstool, that's who yeah. like that stuff. You don't have fifty, sixty year old men and women who watch that stuff. You might some of our parents might watch it, but it's not generally that's not the audience that they're trying to appeal to. That's a great point. That's I mean, the fact of the matter is it's just this simple. LeBron is the most profitable, like one of the most recognizable athletes in the world, and they're going to keep oh, talking absolutely. about him. Absolutely. Yeah, I, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, and, and ESPN, they do their fair share of coverage. I mean, they, they promote a lot. of Well, actually, Bleacher Report does a lot of their fair share of coverage with, you know, um, Stalker. And a lot of like Messi, Ronaldo, um, a lot of the FIFA, you know, when the World Cup's going on, a lot of the the stuff in the Euro leagues, like they do a great job of promoting, you know, other athletes worldwide, um, definitely. But here in the United States, I can see why it's primarily just football and basketball, and, and that's really it. That's the much. That's like the majority of the marketing you're gonna see. Um, so I get it, but. Eh. I, I wish it was different, and I wish that ESPN would have promoted the WNBA draft because it's something to watch. You know, it's something for us to to cling on to because we don't have anything right now. Absolutely, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, NFL draft mock drafts. Turner's got his mock draft app. We're gonna hear all about it. Triple threat. Got three of them. Break. You didn't plan this. It wasn't your fault. Someone else made a mistake, but now you're the one paying for it, and your life is forever changed. The attorneys of Stickland and Dreyer can help. Whether it was a car, a trucking accident, a dog bite, a fall, their attorneys will not rest until you've been made whole. When sorry just doesn't cut it, call the attorneys of Stickland and Dreyer today and check out their cases at comoinjurylaw.com. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. And welcome back to Triple Threat. I am Cole Tucson, joined by my friends Turner Klinenmeyer, Chan Stickland, and Kyle Jones. The 2020 NFL Draft is coming up next week virtually. Hearing that news, the one thing you hope for is that a team doesn't lag out or have connection issues when on the clock. We are the biggest <laughs> Bears fan with us, Turner Klinenmeyer, joining us as a guest. Once again, our prayers go out to you and hope you make a speedy full recovery. Thank you, sir. Now, there have been possible trade talks for the Bears to trade Allen Robinson or to trade up and get a first-round pick. Two names that, Turner, you mentioned that came out as a replacement is Justin Jefferson from LSU and Brandon Eyuk from Arizona State. What do you see in Justin Jefferson? I mean, so Justin Jefferson obviously had an unbelievable year at LSU. Um, he did have the luxury of having, quite honestly, the best quarterback prospect to come out of college, Joe Burrow throwing him the ball. Um, the offensive system they ran was uh, actually pretty nice. The way that it just got open receivers, it gave Joe Burrow so many different options to throw to. Um, it was it was a good system, but to say that Justin Jefferson's a product of the system or the talent around him is is um, quite laughable. 
Justin Jefferson's a, a big body. He ran the four four at the combine. He's got unbelievable hands. I really don't. I, I from what I can remember watching, he didn't have that many drops. He really didn't have that many drops. And as a matter of fact, he made a lot of unbelievable catches uh, with defenders on him. Um, and and I give credit to Joe Burrow for placing the ball, you know, on the back shoulder uh, in, in situations where he's running down the sideline and he can't, you know, the defender can't get there. But Justin Jefferson is definitely the complete package. And as of right now, um, I have him going 21st overall to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but honestly, that's probably low. That's probably really low for Justin Jefferson because he could probably be a top 15 pick, you know, um, if, if there are run on wide receivers because Jerry Judy's going to go high. Henry Ruggs is going to go high. C.D. Lamb's going to go high. And I have Justin Jefferson, Justin, excuse me, Justin Jefferson as my wide receiver four. And I definitely think he could go in the top 15. Yeah, C.D. Lamb is a good connection because the Nets wide receiver, Brandon Eyuk, his 40 time was actually faster than C.D. Lamb's. He ran a 4.5 in his 40. And mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb, who most draft boards have, is their first receiver taken in this draft, going to like eighth, ninth overall. Eyuk's vertical was also a 40 flight, which is top five of all wideouts. For those reasons, he's compared to a Juju Smith-Schuster who came out of the Pac-12 as well, my USC Trojans. What things are better than Jefferson and what isn't so hot for Eyuk? So I think Justin Jefferson is, is a definitely a complete package. He's, a, he's an unbelievable route runner. You know, he's got sure hands. He can fight through press coverage. He, he knows how to work zone. Um, and Justin Jefferson's got the speed. You know, 4-4 four, four speed, he can take the top off of the defense if need be. Uh, Brandon Ayuk ran that four five, just a tad bit slower. Um, but I think he's more of a big body. I think you're going to look for Ayuk in the red zone a little bit more, especially with that 45 inch vertical. Uh, he could become a better route runner. Um, but he's definitely physical. He's going to win at the point of attack. And I think that he's definitely worth, you know, a pick in the second round. And that's, what's so funny is there are so many good wide receivers in this draft. I mean, I also took looks, um, I looked Isaiah Coulter, Isaiah Hodgins, um, who else did I look at? Uh, Jalen Ragor from t- t- uh, TCU. There are so many different wide receivers in this class that are good. And even KJ Hamler, minus the drops, is unbelievable because he's got un- great speed and, and coming out of Penn State. And same with Coulter. He might drop a couple of passes, but he's got unbelievable speed out of Rhode Island. So there's so many different wide receivers, and this is probably the deepest class at wide receiver. And when you ask about the differences between Ayuk and Jefferson, Ayuk is just a little bit slower, but he's more of a big body than Jefferson. He's going to be a bigger threat in the red zone. No, no, Colin Chance, you guys aren't as big of a Bears fans as Turner and I, but what do you think about this move in train Robinson, train up to get the first-round pick and get a wide receiver? Mind you, Al Robinson was the team's leading wideout last year with 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. It was his second-best year of his career since he was in Jacksonville in 2015. Are you talking? Are you talking? This is bear stuff, right? I just want to make yeah. sure because I will be honest. You three are gonna just absolutely explode <laughs> on this stuff, and I am not as good with the draft stuff. So what I decided to do was, I Cole sent me a a generator, and so I went through it, and it's actually pretty accurate. It's kind of cool. And it's really cool to like look at all this stuff because I honestly don't look at the numbers. I watch some of it, da 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 da. Yeah. But like, I'm amazed with Chicago. You, I think over the past couple of seasons, quarterback has been just, and I'll say this, quarterback has been an issue, and I think head coaching has been an issue. I, 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 you know, is Nagy right? I don't know. 
Um, you know, but you guys have had, you know, the, the quarterback dilemma has been all like messed. It, there's been a lot that, that has, you know, I think caused you guys downfall in different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question to you two Chicago guys is putting the coach aside. Do you guys think you have a real quarterback problem or do you think you're fine with who do you have a quarterback Trubisky and you go forward? Well, and remember you got uh, Nick Foles on the back of that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yep. So, um, Cole, do you want to you want to take this one, or do you want me to try and crack it first? I mean, I guess I can take it first because I think Go you ahead. can say a lot of stuff better than myself. So I'm just gonna try my best at this. Go but ahead, basically, the Bears signed Nick Foles because Trubisky and Nagy had this relationship where Nagy was very coddling esque Trubisky and not being very tough on him. You're bringing a guy like Nick Foles who. Won the Eagles the Super Bowl. He was a Super Bowl MVP coming in for injured Carson Wentz. And because the thing about Trubisky is this. He knew he was a starting quarterback, and he didn't have quarterback competition because you had Chase Daniel, who no disrespect to Chase Daniel, the Missoula alum, but Trubisky was going to be the starting quarterback because there was nobody better. Now that you have Nick Foles, that challenges him. Okay, Trubisky has to settle down a little bit and realize if he doesn't play well, he's going to be replaced. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, so the move to bring in Nick Foles is absolutely, at the very least, pure competition for Mitchell Trubisky. They are pushing him. They're trying to uh, light fire under his rear end and get him to be playing at the potential that they drafted him at, which is definitely a little high at number two overall. but they're trying to get him to reach that potential. And at the very most, Nick Foles comes in and is the starter for three years until his contract runs out, and the Bears get, get above-average quarterback play for the next three years with a guy who knows Matt Nagy's system, has executed it in Philadelphia successfully, and, and honestly, in the right situation, can be a great quarterback. Um, I think he didn't get a fair shake in Jacksonville. Uh, after getting hurt in the first game against the Chiefs. But a lot of people forget, he threw an unbelievable touchdown on that same play that he broke his collarbone. He threw like a 40 or 50-yard touchdown to DJ Chark and dropped a dime in the back corner of the end zone. So he can throw it. He's very, very talented. And I think that with stability at the quarterback position with Nick Foles, it's a different Bears team because there was stability in 2018. In 2018, Mitchell Trubisky was the third highest rated passer. Uh, he had like, hey, I'm pretty sure it was the number three QBR in the league. They, he was stable. He, t- he didn't turn the ball over a lot, picked up first downs with his legs. You know, he made throws when he needed to. And the Bears won 12 games because he, yeah. didn't, he wasn't losing games. In 2019, he was losing you games because he couldn't move the ball. That was, yeah. That's the big difference. There was instability. So yeah. and I think two. instability, Nagy looks better. And to keep the quarterback conversation going a little bit, oh, I, didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt Kyle. Here's, here's my question. You talk about stability. Um, and in my opinion, as, as someone who has rooted for a team with the most instable quarterback class in the history of the NFL up to when we got Deshaun Watson, my question is, would a better O-line maybe improve that? So maybe Absolutely. Maybe, Absolutely. Maybe instead of trading up to get a wide receiver like like CD Lamb or something, maybe maybe you trade up, you know, and I don't think you could get up to ten to get uh Mackie Becton uh, mm-hmm. instead of Browns. 
but maybe a guy like Jedrick Willis Jr. or Andrew Thomas, you know? So, with – I mean, specifically regarding the Bears, um, trading, trading up is going to be difficult because you, they have their, – their highest – their two best picks are at 43 and 50, right? So, in the mock draft that I did, I actually traded 43 and 50 to the Eagles at 21 and took Justin Jefferson because could, he was there. I could see so, so, so you take that. So I got, I got their first round pick and I actually got their fourth round pick. I got 117 from Philadelphia and I was able to select uh, tight end Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. Um, but with that being said, trading up for an offensive lineman probably won't happen. Um, the Bears need isn't at tackle. Charles Leno Jr. wasn't awful he's about middle of the road Bobby Massey is solid you know he's not gonna you know he's not a mauler he's not gonna run over anyone in the run game but he can hold his own and he's decent in pass protection you know um I think their biggest issue was at right guard it was at right guard and then it was because they switched Cody Whitehair and James Daniels back and forth last year between center and guard at left guard so I think with stability with those two players at Whitehair sticking to center and James Daniels sticking to left guard and then finding a guy, maybe trading up to the first round, you can find Lloyd Cushenberry III uh, out of LSU, who's probably the best guard uh, in this draft, in my opinion. Um, or if Cesar Ruiz happens to fall to you at 43, if one of those two guys is there, I think the Bears take him. Because then okay. immediately, that's a plug-and-play, legitimate NFL starting guard. We're not talking Quentin Nelson here, but we're talking a good starter. Now, going back to the quarterback conversation, obviously the Bears just signed Nick Foles and Trubisky's going to his fourth year. Now that we have Turner you on as a guest, you have loved Anthony Gordon from Washington State literally since as long as I can remember for the college football year. What do you – I know we, you and I talked about him a little bit, but what do you like about Anthony Gordon? So Anthony Gordon is extremely intriguing. Um, and Bears fans might, might get a little worried saying, hey, let's draft it let's draft a quarterback who's only had one year of starting experience in the NFL or excuse me, in, in, in college, because that's what we did with Trubisky and it went poorly, but Anthony Gordon is a different, it's a different, you know, it's apples and oranges. Um, Anthony Gordon threw for, I'm, I'm almost positive. He threw for over 5,000 yards this last season uh, at Washington state. He, he's playing in the air raid offense uh, with, you know, with uh, Mike Leach's last season there. Um, he took over for an offense that Gardner Minshew ran and set records. He set records at Washington State two seasons ago. And in his first year, Anthony Gordon broke those records. He threw nine touchdowns in a game against UCLA. They lost the game, but he threw nine touchdowns. He, he carried the offense, and that's what he did for the entire season. If Anthony Gordon would have gotten hurt or would have gone, you know, or, or, or just would not have been there, I don't think Washington State is as good as they were, and I don't think their offense is as productive. Anthony Gordon has an unbelievable processor. He's able to sit and read a defense and digest what coverage is happening, what he's seeing in front of him, where he needs to go with the football. And he's able to even change plays at the line of scrimmage. He's not as mobile, but he can still pick up, you know, up a first down with his feet, but he's accurate. He has above average arm strength. I think he throws a very tight spiral football. He doesn't let it wobble around. His ball placement is actually <laughs> well above average. And I think Anthony Gordon is a super sleeper prospect that's getting overlooked because one, he played in an extremely quarterback friendly air raid offense. 
And two, he played at Washington State, and the competition there is not nearly as much as it is with Joe Burrow or Tua or, you know, or Jake Fromm or Jalen Hurts in that matter. I mean, they're not as – he's not playing high caliber, you know, talent. Looking a little – looking at the – I'm just curious to know what you guys think because we have two NFC fans here and then, then, you know, that's how we look at – looking at a little bit of wider picture, we all know that Tom Brady has a new landing spot in the next season. He's going to be a buck. I think personally the NFC gets challenging and I think it's going to be more, I think it's going to be a more challenging conference than it has been in previous years. Um, I think that's going to change a lot of things. Um, I still think that the, uh, I'm going to get this wrong to the NFC West with Seattle, San Francisco. I still think that that is one of the toughest divisions in football on the NFC side. Um, but I also think that there are all. I think that there are other teams that have the potential to be up and rising this season. Um, I, I'm not glued in stone on Chicago being one of those teams just quite yet until we do see after the draft. Um, but according to my mock generator, I want to see what you guys think. I don't know if you guys have thrown this name out, but at the 43rd pick, the draft that I have has Terrell Lewis going to Chicago. He uh, is. The he is out of Bama, correct? Yeah, the safety. Uh, huh. So, you know, that that's just – that's what mine gave me. Kyle, did you have a different – base? did you do anything or not? I've been so, – so I, I tend – I tend to always kind of vibe with Mel Kuyper's picks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to say Kuyper's law, but I, I, <laughs> I always tend to agree with Kuyper. Um, and his 43, and, and thus, in my opinion, my 43 uh, for the Bears is Cole Komet out of Notre Dame. I would, I would puke if they uh, took Cole Komet at 43. Um, although, Cole Komet – so, here's the thing. Cole Komet is probably the best tight end prospect in this draft, and he yeah. had 500 yeah. receiving yards last year. Yeah. And six touchdowns. That's not, that's not uber productive at that tight end, you know. There's, there's been – significantly better prospects. I mean, Travis Kelsey came out of Cincinnati and was unbelievable and had a significantly better season than Cole Komet. Now, it's not fair to compare them to coming out of college, but that's just kind of what you're looking at and how, and how um, skinny or, or thin this draft class is at tight end. Um, and to yeah, Chance's point... It's a pretty unsuccessful class. It's, it's really. I mean, Albert Okawebnam at one point early in the season was talked about as a first, second-round pick. I mm-hmm. think he's a day three. Yep, I think that's cha- I think that has changed. I would agree with that. Absolutely, he's a day three pick. Um, maybe, maybe day two if he gets lucky. But I definitely think he's day three. Um, and then for Chance's point, <clears throat> um, with the safeties, uh, surprisingly, I I don't know if this happens because I don't think he falls this this low. But in one of my drafts, uh, Grant Delpit out of LSU fell to forty three. And I had the Bears taking Grant Delpit. Um, and if it wasn't him, it's a very interesting product uh, out of Southern Illinois, uh, Jeremy Chin, who probably is the most natural, strong safety in this draft class. Um, okay in coverage, but unbelievable against the run. He will throw his body in there. He will come down and thump. He's, you know, he's that's what they call him, a thumper. He, he likes yeah. to hit, and, he, and, he's, and he's disciplined when it comes to tackling and, and really stuffing the run. He'll blitz. But he, he's, he gets his eyes lost in the backfield and he'll get caught um, in play action. But if, if it's not Chin and if it's not Garrett Delpit, uh, a, a, a kind of a sleeper pick in round four 
is Alohi Gilman out of Notre Dame. Alohi Gilman is a good hybrid, uh, creates turnovers, is solid tackler, can be okay in coverage, um, but he, he still needs work done. But Alohi Gilman is definitely another guy to look at at safety. Here's, here's one person who I know a lot of people have had my on. We, we, we had the quarterback conversation, um, and, and you know, we, we obviously talked about a couple names. What do you think of Jordan Love? Oh, Jordan Love is, is a very interesting prospect. Uh, he was unbelievable two seasons ago at Utah State, and that's really where he's getting a lot of his, his no pun intended, love uh, on draft boards. But this last season at Utah State wasn't as good, um, and I think he, it, it showed signs of him regressing. And yet on draft boards, teams are – or, or, or what we're predicting is they're going to take him. And it, it feels to me that they're going to reach. I definitely think he's more of a project than, um, than what people are kind of pinning him as. A lot of people are saying he's, oh, he's a little bit more finished and that he could probably end up starting if need be. I don't think so. I really think he's more – he's going to have to sit and he's going to have to learn uh, the NFL style. And I don't think – and I really think that if you started him, it would, it would go poorly. I think it was and a lot of – so for, talking about Jordan Love a little bit, all the draft boards I've seen have him go at the end of the first round to the Patriots who all, already have Jared Stidham out of Auburn. Right. I have – I have – Kuiper has him going to the Raiders, which I think Ooh. is a bad move. I think, I think that's wrong on Kuiper. Um, I think – yeah, that's a bad – that's a bad pick for the Raiders. If yeah, anything – I think if they're if they're going to go for a quarterback, they better go. They they I'd rather than see them go for like Jalen Hurts or something. You know, actually, in in all honesty, and I know I've been pounding the table on the guy, but the Raiders have a, a pick one fifteen or or something like that. They have a pretty early fourth round pick. They could probably take Anthony Gordon and, and, and roll with that. Um, and again, I think a lot of quarterback teams that, that don't necessarily need a quarterback in that moment, like obviously the Raiders have Derek Carr, and they just signed Marcus Mariota. So they're not dying for a quarterback. They're not in the same boat as the Chargers or the Dolphins or obviously the Bengals or even, even the Colts. I mean, even the Colts with, with Philip Rivers, I don't think that's set in stone. I think, so it's I think a one-year, that's a one-year deal, honestly. Exactly. That, that's a one, maybe two-year two-year player where he's going to pretty much just be a, a transitional guy and he's going to help whoever you draft. Right. Yeah. So I, 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 the Raiders, if anything, if they sit back, you could take Gordon, you know, in the fourth and on, on a super, super sleeper pick that I think John Gruden would, would fall in love with if he looked at the tape is Cole McDonald out of Hawaii. Mm. And, and, and I know Cole and I talked about this, but Cole McDonald out of Hawaii, he's a big kid huge arm i mean a, a howitzer for an arm um he can run it too i think he had the best 40 at the combine uh for quarterbacks at four five and the kid can fly um but man he's got a wonky release and his decision making is sometimes to put it at best it's shaky um but he's a super you know seventh rounder he's a he's unpolished but i think that in the right situation you know you could fix him up and he could be a legitimate starter you know you know what that sounds like to me um and i'm going to tell you this this is this is part of my grandmaster plan right now the texans backup quarterback is aj mccarron mccarron sucks (laughs) here's the deal you know who else sucks 
Bill O'Brien. Bill <laughs> O'Brien is a penny pincher. And, and that was evidenced very well by the DeAndre Hopkins deal where it came out basically this week that the only reason we traded DeAndre Hopkins was because he asked for a raise, which he deserved, right? Oh, absolutely deserved it. So if we're so cost-concerned here in the Houston Texans organization, Deshaun Watson's going to need a backup pretty soon that's not named A.J. McCarron because pretty soon Bill O'Brien's going to ship him off to New England or something. (laughs) So I say, I say, let's have the Texans draft either, you know, either Gordon or the fellow from Hawaii, because clearly we're going to need somebody in like two years. Taking a look, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just curious to hear what you guys think on this. I know Turner had something to get out, but I'm just thinking of it off the, off the quarterback train outside of, you know, Joe Burrow. If you guys had to pinpoint the second best quarterback in this draft, who would it be? Justin Herbert. Okay. I actually disagree. I don't, I don't think it's Justin Herbert. Um, I actually decided to take a peek at Justin Herbert, and um, I was a little frightened at what I saw. Justin <laughs> Herbert was a four-year starter at Oregon, and it didn't look like through the four years he made a lot of like progress as a passer. He's clearly physically gifted. He can make any throw in the book. He really can. His best game last season was against Colorado. And it seemed like he was out on a mission to just break hearts because he could not miss against Colorado. But there were a handful of other games where he just decided to just suck. I mean, even the first game against Auburn, first game of the season, I mean, that offense was cruising uh, against Auburn. And they were up, I'm pretty sure, 20 or 21 nothing, And then they were up. And for whatever reason, he just missed – on a simple route over the middle, about 15 yards down the field on third and long, it was, a, it was a dagger concept. They ran three receivers to the wide side on the right. They had two guys on the inside uh, running verticals, and the outside guy ran a 15-yard in, and he was wide open, and he did pull the trigger, and he decided to run. And, I mean, that's just one example. He doesn't process. He, he can't read that defense, and he's a one-read quarterback. And if that read's not there, panic. He panics. And – this is going to sound really cynical, but he's pretty much missile Trubisky. So to discredit my – well, not discredit my point, but so I don't get a lot of hate on my comment about Justin Herbert being the second quarterback in this draft class. The only reason why I say he's the second best is because of the whole Tua injury concern of if he's right. ever going to be 100% healthy again. And that's fair, and that's, and that's yeah. fair. And 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 in in a, in a, as a general manager, if I, if I was if I was in a front office, yes, Justin Herbert is probably QB two, solely on the reason that Tua can't stay healthy. That's probably the only thing keeping Tua from being number two. And as I I recently saw an, an update from Bleacher Report, is a couple of GMs have taken Tua completely off of their draft board. Um, they're not even going to consider him uh, being being selected. But if you look at this from a pure football standpoint, Tua is your number two quarterback, just purely based off of his tape. He is more mobile. He can he he's able to pull it down and run it at, at a higher rate than Herbert is. And is his arm stronger than Herbert's? No, not at all. I think his arm is is B B at best. It's it's slightly above average. But man, he he, he can he can sling it. He's got a processor. He, he's able to to 
make reads. It's not just one read and go. Um, he's accurate. And I think that, you know, he, he's more of a proven winner than um, Justin Herbert is. And, yeah, did he play at Bama and win a lot of games? Yes, he did. But he also came in cold turkey off the bench and won a national championship. Yeah, so, I, think, I think and that is one of the – in my opinion, personally, I think that's one of his biggest accomplishments. 100% um, to come in and in as, you know, come out of the bullpen and just yeah, win. exactly. No, and, and I think he does show. Uh, Kyle, I know – do you have a different do, – do you, are you agreeing with Coles Herbert or do you think it's a different guy? I think it's Tua. And I, okay. know, yeah. I know the injuries are a big factor. Um, but you know, Tua, Tua, is, Tua is the risk, right? Justin Herbert's the safe choice. And, and you could not be blamed at all for, for taking Justin Herbert as your, as your QB2 because, frankly, I, it's completely understandable. But if you take a risk on Tua, I mean, the upside on that is so high. You know, obviously the downside is he gets hurt, he doesn't play. And you lose right. the half pick, and that's huge. But if he stays healthy, and, you know, I, I've, seen, I've seen some mocks uh, sending him to, to the Chargers. I've seen some mocks sending him to Miami. Um, I, I think he goes to L.A., and, uh, and you know, then he can sit behind Tyrod Taylor for a year, right? Yeah. And he can re. He can rehab for a year while Tyrod Taylor takes the starting job. That's not too big of an issue, right? No, not at all. And so if you give him that rehab, the upside of a healthy Tua is monumental. And for a team like the Chargers, who need a franchise guy now that Phillip Rivers is gone, need to build something because, by God, they really don't have anything right now in terms of, like, watchability. Having what could turn out as – the second best quarterback in this draft class. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's invaluable to me. So I guess I have a question for you guys, and, I, and I'll give you my answer to this question. Um, who is more of a project at quarterback? Is it is it Herbert or is it Tua? And in my opinion, Herbert's more of a project at quarterback because you've got to teach him how to how to make reads and how to see what's happening in front of him. More would, than Tua does. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that point. I would well. say this right. Tua's Tua, the only quote unquote project you have with Tua is making sure he stays healthy. Yeah, right? I think mean, that's yep. not right. a project. That's just like luck, you know? Yeah. And and um, I guess a quarterback we actually haven't talked about, which is which is really funny, is another guy from the state of Washington is uh, Jake Beeson. Um, and he decided to just wow everyone at the combine. He he could make every throw. He's got probably the best arm in the draft class. Um, he's, he's a big, just California kid, ready to come in there and sling it. He doesn't care. He's going to throw the ball down the field. Um, it, it's it's kind of Jay Cutler-esque with his arm. He, just, he is just so talented. Yeah. But, again, his decision-making is awful. And that's the big problem is you've got to coach his decision-making. He can see what's happening in front of him, and I think he, he's able to make those reads. But sometimes he just gets so stubborn and kind of like Cutler. He's like, yep, I'm putting the ball here, and you can't stop me. And he tries to fit tight window throws that shouldn't be made. Yeah, That just shouldn't be made. So Before we go to break and we move on to our next topic. Well, there's one thing, too, that I want. Okay, go for it. Oh. I've got one more thing I want to add to this a little bit. 
yeah. I was just going to say, finishing off this quarterback topic, one quarterback we saw a lot in college, but we don't seem to be talking about any, any, at all on the NFL mock drafts is Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma. Mm. Yeah. Um, Hurts, Hurts is really talented. Um, every year he's gotten better as a passer. And I think the biggest jump is going from Bama. Bama's offense isn't really a, a hey, let's, let's throw it and, and put it down the field a lot. Um, they like to run the ball. And he went to Oklahoma where it's like, hey, we're going to throw the ball around and you're going to have to make a lot of plays. And I think he, he definitely evolved as a passer. The thing about Hurts is he's very safe. If his guy's not there, he's got the ability to just pull it down and run. And I think that's what's going to make him a, a better prospect. And I think he's – I personally, I think he's a better prospect than Jordan Love. I think Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback prospect than Jordan Love. And I think that um, he could possibly get taken by the Patriots rather than Jordan Love. I, I think if the Patriots are selecting, they're either, they're going to choose between Eason or they're going to choose between uh, Jalen Hurts. And maybe a surprise pick is Jake Fromm, but I think Jake Fromm is a day three guy. I don't think – he has the physical tools to play in the NFL. Yeah, I think his I think his last season at Georgia was not uh, what it needed to be. It's very um, underwhelming. Yeah, it wasn't good at all. More, exactly, more or less. Kyle, what did you have? And then I'm going to throw my point, and then we'll go to we'll go to commercial break. I was just going to say, Ky- Kuiper has as um, Jalen Hurts going 49 to the Steelers, which I wow. I think is low. I think I think he goes before that. I, I agree. I think I think he goes before that. I mean, I think the big thing that's gonna that's gonna tell us where quarterbacks are gonna go is how early do these quarterbacks get taken in the first round? Yeah. I think the big the big one is where does Jordan Love go? Because yeah, that's your big that's your wild card. That's the wild card. He's like the he's like the Daniel James of last year. Remember when Daniel James got picked and it was just like it was it was magic? Oh yeah, Daniel Jones. When he made that rise up on the draft boards and came out of nowhere, I was shocked. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was absolutely shocked to see him go, what was it, sixth? Sixth overall? Sixth overall. Sixth overall, sixth overall to the Giants. I mean, that was, that was uh, mind-blowing. And, and we clowned. Whew, did we all clown the Giants? But he actually didn't turn out to be terrible. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he wound up being a good pick. But he, I think Jordan Love is the Daniel Jones of this draft. If he goes early, you're going to see a heck of a lot of stuff, you know? And the, the if, last thing – Go ahead. Okay. Well, because we could talk about this all all day, and I love it. Absolutely. But, absolutely. but, but because we are Mizzou student media, and we're you know we're through the University of Missouri, Missouri's got some own prospects of their own in this draft. And my last oh, yeah. question before we go to break is, who are you guys keeping your eye out on as far as Tigers? Well, Jordan Elliott, Alberto Graveman. Yeah. I think Kelly Bryant goes undrafted. Yes. I agree. Kelly Bryant should not get drafted, and if a GM takes him, they should be fired. Yeah, really, uh, Turner. You don't really. Yes. Why? Why would you waste a draft pick on Kelly Bryant yeah. when there are better quarterbacks yeah. later in the draft? I mean, go look at like Nate Stanley out of Iowa. He's won plenty of big games in his career at Iowa. He doesn't turn the ball over, and and the big thing is a lot of people, you know, oh, this quarterback didn't play in a pro style offense. They didn't. They, they were so much in the shotgun. Nate Stanley was under center a lot. Yep. I mean, that was pretty much what he did. So he's more pro-ready, if that's yeah. what you're going to call it. But why would you ever take Kelly Bryant? He did not prove to anyone through his college career that he was worthy of a draft pick. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I agree to Cole's point on, on his different players. 
Kyle, I'm going to send it back over to you before we head into, head into break. But, I mean, I, I could not give you what Turner and Cole – and really Kyle, for that matter, I feel like I'm the underrated performer here in this conversation. But, yeah, great job on that. I think there's a lot of different good opinions. I think that we'll see – um, guys who we have mentioned in different numbers who probably won't be going those numbers exactly, but will be close. And I think that's what yeah. makes it fun, uh, Kyle. That's the biggest thing is, is uh, before I get to Kyle, just to put out there, um, we all love and know and trust Ian Rappaport. Yeah, uh, exactly. He came, out yesterday, he came out yesterday on Twitter and said, hey, a lot of these people doing the mock drafts and where we think prospects are going to go, it's all around. And come draft day, it's going to be a lot different than what we all think. So I'm excited, and I'm, and I'm really excited to see um, how well we do. And this kind of mock draft thing, it's kind of like picking a bracket for March Madness, you know? How close can you get? Absolutely. And since there was no March Madness this year, any sportsman wants that kind of fun or enjoyment. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. One more thing that I'll say about this is I was dead serious before, before they died last week, RIP the XFL. I thought Kelly Bryant was going to be in next year's XFL draft. But let's, let's move on. One more thing, uh, Mike Tannenbaum reporting via Twitter that the NFL has informed all teams that for the first time in draft history, it will, quote, stop the clock if teams exceed the time allotment to allow for trades that are in the process of being completed. Basically, the NFL is preparing for technical glitches. Um, but we're okay. going to take one more short break, and when we come back, college football scenarios, things. Cole has a nice, cool college football sort of deal uh, rigged up for us, and I'd like to get into that. So uh, after the break, Cole will be helping us out, talking to some college football. Hopefully we can have the real stuff back in not too long. Triple Threat brought to you by Stick on Dry Law Firm. We'll be right back. Looking for your weekly supply of Mizzou Athletics plus what's going on around the world of sports? Catch Triple Threat featuring Kyle Jones, Cole Tusing, and Chance Ticklin every Monday from 1 to 2 o'clock p.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia or online at kcou.fm. And if you ever miss a show, check us out on Spotify or anywhere else you stream your sports content. That's Triple Threat on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. You didn't plan this. It wasn't your fault. Someone else made a mistake, but now you're the one paying for it, and your life is forever changed. The attorneys of Stickland and Dreyer can help. Whether it was a car, a trucking accident, a dog bite, a fall, their attorneys will not rest until you've been made whole. When sorry just doesn't cut it, call the attorneys of Stickland and Dreyer today and check out their cases at comoinjurylaw.com. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. And welcome back to Triple Threat, brought to you by Stickland and Dryer Law Firm. Kyle Jones, Chance Stickland, Turner Claremont, and Cole Tucson here. And Cole has come up with some fun college football scenarios for us to talk about to help us get through this college footballless world that we currently live in. So, Cole, uh, send, send it over. Let's, let's hear what you got. So, I'm just going to go down the list of four scenarios that I picked out what I've seen from ESPN people all over the world just think about this whole college football scenario. So the first one, most popular one I've heard is resume its normal start, start time in August, September without fans. Okay. I mean, I think, I think that's – the deal is 
if if the NCAA wants to maintain the idea that the students that the athletes are also students and that the student part comes first, they can't resume without fans because the fans majority yeah. of are students, right? Yeah. So if the regular students aren't there, why are the student athletes there if they're students first? Well, and to, and to that point that I think is super important is, and this is going to go into the whole paid athletes thing, but I think that the discussion to be made there is if you play a college football season without fans, A, you're not generating any revenue because mm-hmm. no one's showing up. So that's a loss of money. You get TV revenue. That's, yeah, that, that, TV that, revenue. that is true. So – your, your, your ticket sales are just going to decline really, really slow and steady. Also, your food sales are going down. That's mm-hmm. another big thing. So then my question to you then is, in that case, you know, how, besides TV, and I don't think TV makes, makes or breaks the deal necessarily because you have other factors that do uh, play in a role into that. Is it worth it to play a college football season if you can't have those other two sources of revenue? That's a great question. I tell, um, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, the TV revenue outweighs everything. So you think so, it does? Absolutely. If they can get TV revenue, it's probably going to be worth it, no matter how. But then you, you have to start – once you start making that TV revenue, that's when the question of paying student athletes comes into play. And that's what I was going to propose to you guys. Because of how, you know, like if, if college football and college sports resumes like any other professional league just without fans – like, they're no longer student athletes here. They are people who are being forced to play because they're bringing in the money. Yeah. You know? under, under, and only in this case would be under unique circumstances. Yeah. I mean, so, Kyle, you make a great point there. Um, if, if everything was fine, obviously, the students were there, everyone's there, then, yeah, you play a sport. But now you get into, you get into some weird territory with the NCAA saying, okay, um, yeah, no students at school, uh, no fans, obviously, at the stadiums. You, you kids are going to show up to play this game against another team, uh, and we're going to broadcast it on television so that we can make our, our money and, and pay the people that we need to pay um, and go from there. And schools would make money because, you know, they, lesser opponents get paid by schools to come and get beat up pretty yeah. much um, and, and stuff like that for facilities. So. Obviously, the biggest question is money, as with pretty much everything that's going on in this time. But uh, I really think that if somehow, if they did play without fans, you're getting into a territory where the NCAA is kind of contradicting itself, saying, hey, we don't want athletes to be paid, but we're going to profit off of these athletes playing. And I think that people are going to finally see how evil the NCAA is and either – people stop watching college football from this point on because it's so corrupt or NCAA makes change and we finally get our video games back. I think with that, I, mean, I think with that, that scenario right there that, that Turner just brought up, you will, you will go down a deep South territory of legality. That'll get, yes. really, that'll get really yes, nasty. The, the NCAA will be sued by several schools. Um, and NCAA has oh, already had a lot of trouble with recent years with the whole Rich Paul situation. Yep. They've already had a ton of legal issues recently. The second scenario I picked out was some conferences play like the SEC and the Pac-12 doesn't, 
which awesome. ultimately means you're eliminating the bowl season as well. Yeah, that, that, I don't like I that one. Yeah, that doesn't work. Basically, because of how the NCAA works, yes, there are conferences, but the deal is if, if one group plays, they all essentially have to play. Yeah, that would be like that would be like in my opinion that exact example because it's a Power Five conference. That would be like taking a college university and you limiting sophomores and freshmen from attending a concert, and you can only allow juniors and seniors to go. That's well, exactly the same example because all you're doing there is you're limiting a certain group of people. Yes, you're not just anybody. But th- because pe- plenty of people watch the Pac-12, that- that's a normal conference. It's not like the Sun Belt or the American, where you well, have tinier, le- t- tinier, le- well, tinier, less schools. I think that that would be like taking a uni- university and taking half of the student population and discrediting them from everything. Well, yes, it's, pretty it's, much. It's, it, I think a more accurate, a more accurate example is it'd be like restarting the baseball season, but only the American League plays. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That. That's it's a, it's an interesting situation. I get where Cole's coming from. Saying let's take the most entertaining conferences Conference. yeah. in college football and have them play. That's great, but you're kind of alienating a lot of people. I mean, heck, you, I mean, Cole, you're a USC fan. You you don't want to watch the Trojans play? <laughs> I think I'm just I'm just saying scenarios that I've seen from ESPN, other trusted sources. Here's, here's more, I mean, I'm not picking these scenarios saying, myself. Like, that's, that's crazy. Here, here's crazy. a more accurate one, and, and, and Cole maybe just popped up later on the list. Team schools who play in states that have very low infection rates and very low case rates, mm-hmm. those are the schools that get to play. So, for example, Missouri only has like 77 deaths, um, so it's pretty low, and I think the same goes for Kansas. So, in theory, the only schools that get to play are Mo State, Mizzou, K-State, and KU. <laughs> Pass. So, Mizzou automatically goes to the college football playoff. So, I think, uh, to, I think to that point, before Cole gets to his other points, then this is the interesting question. If you're Missouri, if you're any other school across the country, and you – and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but this could happen if COVID-19 does continue through the summer and really into the early fall – if it does, and it forces all these schools to continue remote learning and virtual learning from home, do you cancel all sporting events in the fall because schools canceled, or do you continue Absolutely. to play the football season? How does that work? That's another situation I think you have to look at. So that does, does really sports overweight well academics, my... or and, and, and this is where we dip back into the student athlete question. Yeah, exactly. Students or are they athletes? Because if they're students, they should not be going. Exactly. I saw uh, – that's what the, the commissioner of the Big 12 said a couple of days ago. They said sports won't happen until students are back on campus as students. Exactly. And, and I guess that my – I wanted to make this point for the first scenario because you go back to that. Say, say they do let them play without fans and all that, and they're not paying the student-athletes. So now the NCAA is just making their money. What if, what if a student-athlete at a game – what if they contract it while they're on the road playing at a stadium? You know, what if, what if a student catches the uh, COVID-19? Now the NCAA is at, at liable and definitely at risk for the student catching the virus. Now, now you kind of have to pay the students because that's, that's such a high risk that if you're saying, oh, you're just get, you're, you're playing the sport because you love it. That's, I, I mean, I get it. Yeah, I love sports and I think I would play, but there are a lot of people out there that wouldn't do that just for the, for the love of the game. In my opinion, that won't happen because it's, it's, it's too high risk. 
Exactly. Um, and I think, and I think with that too, it's not even just collegiate sporting events, but that you're you're seeing that in the NBA. That's why the entire. That's why everything's yes. being canceled because if you do step, you, you guys saw Bob Miller contracted the virus. That's an NFL yes. player, and different guys are. They can't have. If one guy gets it, more than one guy is going to get it because you're in the environment and it is contagious. And yes. that is why, again, I don't want to – this is a whole different topic. But social distancing and washing your hands, washing your hands frequently, frequently, frequently is so, so important right now. Because yes. anybody can get it. But I want to have Cole before – you know, I interrupted him. I don't mean to. But, Cole, give your final two scenarios on this whole college football playoff deal. I mean, this whole talking about, let's just say it comes back in the fall, really connects to my third scenario is the start time. Instead of starting in the fall in November, it gets pushed back to the spring. I mean, I think we'd all love. I think that could work. If it's if it's if it's in a in an environment where everyone is allowed to go because everything is healthy, we've beaten coronavirus, we've gotten there. I think spring football would be great. I think it would work because you would be able to possibly play that full season you know and we could watch it but then it's a matter of how long does the season go yeah when is your bowl season and then how much time do you give the athletes after the season is over to recover how much time do you give programs uh to recruit and then when is when is practice and when does the next season start yeah because because now you're talking about players um you know if we start the 2022 season or rather the 2021 season in the fall of 2021, after having this 2020 season in the spring of 21, it's like now you're asking guys to play on short rest. I think it exactly. My, I think, in my opinion, Cole, and this is this is what I honestly think. Scenario three doesn't happen at all. Can't. There's no. There's I think I actually disagree. I, think I actually good. disagree. I think so you good. so you think that if you play if you start a schedule and they're not going to be in January because think about it in the Midwest you can't play football in January you just can't because it's the weather is so bad the earliest you could probably start is late February early March which would already push it back two months into the year then if you do that you have a and that's the thing do you have a college football playoff season or do you jump right back in because because August is only four or five months away six months away it's so quick yeah. turn it's asking a lot of athletes who aren't getting paid that's a problem and that will turn into it that, that I mean if you think mess. about I mean think about this whole time situation right now the normal college football season starts from like September and it ends in like December would you say yeah. So then yeah. if it starts in the spring, yeah. it goes from February until like April or May. Yeah. Which is about when the spring sp seasons normally end. I just think of all the options, that's the less likely to happen. I actually think it's the most likely to happen. And if it gets pushed to the spring, that means medical <laughs> experts have more time to develop a, a vaccine and they can figure out what to do with corona for the future. Exactly. Right. Well, I, think, so, I think pushing it to the spring is the most likely. Yeah, I mean, because you can push it to the spring, say, and, and, and Chance makes a great point saying, hey, you can't play football in the Midwest in January, February. I mean, the Chiefs yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> the Chiefs, yeah. I mean, there's Midwest teams that do it. But they're, pay um, they're paid. They are paid athletes, but um, if it's safe, if, if it's safe, you know, if, if the COVID-19 is not a risk for the season, I think the athletes do it. If it's if it's a risk, then no. But I think that just from a football standpoint, the way that you could structure the season, yeah, stay, say it starts at the end of February, you play until June. I think you could start that next college football season in November and yeah. then end that next season in March or April. And then you can slowly work that schedule back to being normal 
instead of saying, okay, now we play only in the spring and we only do it there. You can like slowly, you know, work it back to being in a normal schedule. Yeah, I do. There, there are there are possibilities that are on the proposal and on the on I what I would call the the ballot for that matter. Yeah. In that case, Kyle, what are you wanting to say? Yeah, here's to be a football chance. Yeah, it's going to be weird playing football in the Midwest in January, but as long as there's no lightning and as long as it's not incredibly yeah. below zero, football can be played in any way. That's, that's, that's true. true. Yeah. Cole, what's your last point, bud? So my last scenario is the season is called off for this year, but NCAA football returns. Oh, yeah. I'd take that in a heartbeat. So you're so, we already so, talked about that. So you're telling me you're telling me that every single sport except for football is played. Is that what I you're saying? NCAA, I just want NCAA football back, man. So I, I well, think, I know, I I, think I, I, as do we all, but some of our listeners might you know, anybody in the world, not everyone's just a football fan. You got basketball, so, you got softball, baseball, so on and so forth. I think to bring clarity to to Cole's point here, because we, he and I talked about this actually previously, and I think this is hilarious. Yeah. It's a great idea. Say that. So, so no, not all the sports come back, right? We're still in our in our um, no sports hiatus, right? But in in a, in this world, the NCAA takes a look and says, okay, clearly we won't be able to play college football. So, and to, so to make up for the revenue of of no college football, let's turn out another NCAA football game for next-gen consoles like the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 um, without using player likeness like they did previously using just QB, free, HB7, you know, how that's just that. And going that route. Now that the the, uh, the NCAA has has legalized – getting paid for likeness you could have it with likenesses you you could it's in the early stages of, of figuring that out but i think that they would go without using player likeness because the ncaa is going to avoid that mess because it's the ncaa but i think that they would be able to make up for lost revenue by selling that game because as cole pointed out to me ncaa 14 is the last game they made it's going for about 220 dollars on ebay right now mm-hmm. uh, if not more and Recently, it's going for 400 currently on Amazon. Yes, it's way too much money for a game. A game that was sold six years ago is going for 400 dollars on Amazon. And you can't even play it on on a newer console. It has to be played on the 360. But let's just point out this fact: Barstool Big Cat was streaming last night NCAA 14, uh, his uh, Road to Glory or his Dynasty or whatever. He had 30,000 viewers last night, and he had 40,000 viewers the night or two nights before. People are wanting to watch and play this game. I think that if you come out with an updated game, the NCAA could make a lot of money, recoup yeah. their losses, and move forward just for that season. It would give fans and, and, and what they wanted. <laughs> yeah, I think – so to Turner's point, I, you know, I think anything at this point um, – Yes, is, is what fan, is what fans are wanting. To be honest, yeah, I mean, but I'll, I'll tell you what. It. I yesterday, just yesterday, um, I don't, I don't have, um, I don't have NCAA fourteen. I, uh, I wasn't lucky enough to snag one of those, but I have NCAA eleven. Um, and so I yesterday, I, I dug out my copy of NCAA eleven. I, <laughs> the servers are down, so I had to manually upload the the rosters with the names on it. 
Oh no. I well so <laughs> what you can do is you can you can find files on, on the internet and you can you can plug a flash drive into your PlayStation and get it all loaded up. So I did that. I had to manually go through though and rename the coaches to their real names. Oh my in, goodness. In my dynasty mode. But I did it. And I've started I've started a dynasty on Zimbabwe eleven. It it gave me something that I didn't know I was missing until I had it. Oh no, I've been I've been jonesing for some college football games for quite some time now. But um to 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 just think about it, if you look at this purely from a business standpoint, you know, look putting myself in the shoes of the NCAA, yeah, you're losing out on a billion dollar industry without having college football. And I think the way you're gonna look at it is how can we make some type of money? And the first option is saying Let's maybe reschedule for the spring. And I think your second best option is quite honestly, hey, let's just make the game because that's the, you're going to make money off of it. It's going to be a cash cow. Um, yeah. And it would work. But I think that playing with no fans is unethical towards the college football players. Um, and I think that leaving out certain conferences is also just not right. Yeah. So I think, Cole, your best option is three. And I think your second best is four. Wow. Okay. I agree. I agree. Sure. Just, just, I think I, I will, I will say this. Kudos to Cole for coming up with four possible scenarios. Absolutely. Because I could tell you, I could probably sit in my room or in my house for fifteen hours and not come up with four scenarios, maybe two exactly. at the most. So I do give a huge shout out to him uh, for doing. Because I do think that of those four options, yeah, a couple of them are crazy and probably unethical, like Turner said. But a couple of them are actually possible ideas in a way to make money which is guess what all the all the ncaa cares about it's unfortunately because it's a bit it's a business and they have to make money and that's how and i know turner said this to earlier too everything's about making money if you're not making money then people are unhappy yeah pretty much and so you know i i just i I, i'm wishing for nothing but the best and i you know i played golf in high school for all four years so i can tell you that as soon as that tournament comes back on that is the only thing and as of now it is the only thing that will be on television i'll probably watch it i might end up falling asleep an hour or two into it but but (laughs) that's what you're supposed to do exactly but it is something that'll be uplifting and warming and something that people can look forward to um but uh yeah any final takes or any final conclusions on any of the college football stuff no I'm, I'm let's let's move on to our final segment uh it's gonna be a little bit of a challenge but try to think of the, your favorite moment in in the sports world that you've seen in the past couple of days slash weeks um i know we're we're kind of starved for sports content so <laughs> if you really have to scrape the barrel and make it trans like like very transgenderly related to sports I don't care if you pulled off a crazy play in your video game. I'll own it. Yeah. No, I'll, okay. Um, so I'll, I'll let Turner start because he's our guest. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, I think that my favorite in the last week, uh, sports moment-wise, is um, the Chicago Bears YouTube channel decided to do a rerun of the 2006 Miracle in the Desert uh, game that they played on the road uh, in Arizona where they didn't score a single offensive touchdown. Um, Rex Grossman turned the ball over four or six times or something like that. I mean, he was unbelievably terrible. Um, But somehow 
the defense uh, scored on two fumble recoveries uh, for touchdowns. Um, one of them was forced by Brian Urlacher, my hero. Um, Devin Hester returned a punt about 80-something yards uh, and scored a touchdown. And Robbie Gould kicked a chip shot field goal um, to, to add on three points. And the Bears won by one point because uh, Neil Rackers, um, I'm pretty sure, missed a kick. Uh, it was from 40 yards away. He missed it just wide to the left on the left hash. Um, and it, it was magical because uh, I was at that game, actually, um, when I was a kid. I was there in person watching um, and just seeing those memories come back and being able to watch that stuff on YouTube and actually seeing the TV broadcast for the first time uh, as well. I had no idea. Charles Barkley was in the booth for about 15 minutes. That was interesting. Um <laughs> Um, it was, it was crazy. I, I didn't know that Tony Kornhauser was actually in the booth too with, um, Tariko and, uh, Joe Theismann. So I got to see some little nuggets there that I had never actually seen before and just reliving one of the coolest moments, uh, actually in my entire life, um, uh, as a Bears fan. Uh, and, and you won the game because of former Texan, might I add. <laughs> so, so this, so this is a good transition from the Texan because this is, both it's a Mizzou connection, it's COVID-19 relief connection, and it's Texas connection. So here we go. I'm going to see if Kyle knows who this is, too, because it's a former Texas Ranger pitcher. I okay. th- Actually, he's either former or he's current, but he was a Missouri, he's a Missouri baseball player, too. Kyle Gibson oh, has, yeah, te- yeah, has yeah. teamed up with all the other teams in the league. So 50 players from all around the, the major league, they have all teamed up to uh, raise $1 million. They have teamed up with the Garth Brooks Teammates for Kids Foundation and then the St. Louis Cardinals, Adam Wainwright, and Gibson's Foundation, Big League Impact, and they've come up with $1 million. I think it's a little over $1 million now because this article was written about 15 hours ago. Um, That's still recent. And so I think that that's cool. You got the Mizzou tie, you got the Texas tie, and the COVID-19 tie. That's awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, and not only just him, but there are so many athletes. I think that the all-in challenge that all these athletes across the nation are doing is so freaking cool. It is pretty uh, sweet. You know, it, it's, it's really amazing to see. And, and really guys who are still playing and like, you know, you got Jordan, you've got Peyton Manning, all those guys who have already played who are also dishing in and helping out. So I think it's really incredible uh, to see that because – Guess what? We support them while they play, so now they're supporting their local communities and their fans during these tough times. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Cole, Cole, what do you have? I mean, I don't. I kind of a Chicago connection as well, you know, since I'm a Chicago sports fan, just like Turner. But mine is the MJ Last Dance documentary. Oh, I'm so excited for that. No, absolutely, Kyle. You finish things off for us on this Saturday afternoon in the middle of uh, quarantine. Well, so I think my favorite moment came last night uh, during the WNBA draft. Um, mm. They uh, they did a whole lot of uh, great work, um, and one of the big things they did was honoring the memory of Gianna Bryant, um, and they did a lot of ceremony for that. They kind of you know, honorarily and posthumously drafted her into the WNBA. And her two teammates. Yep. Um, we saw Sabrina Ionescu, who had a whole lot of inspiration from Kobe. Obviously, she was drafted first. 
and she posted on Instagram later today, you know, we a picture of her and Kobe saying, hey, we finally did it, you know, so, you know, I, I dedicated my season to you, and I got number one from here. So it was very, it was very touching to, to see that um, on such a big night for the, the, the WNBA. On a stronger note, too, and those are all fantastic. Well, I am thinking about it. Turner, are you and Parker doing anything for your show currently or not? Uh, no, we are actually not. Um, okay. We, he's, we, he got pretty busy. He's, he's a busy guy with um, KOMU. And, um, you know, I, I'm back in Vegas and, and stuff like that. Uh, and I'm working and I got school and stuff. So um, we, we, got, we got both pretty busy. Um, I'm going to reach out to him and see if, if maybe we can start possibly doing it again. Or if not, um, uh, maybe I'll find another person to, to do the show with or he finds another person to do the show with. Um, but, no, we actually haven't been able to do a whole lot of it. But, um, you know, with quarantine going on, I've been kind of contemplating, oh, maybe I'll start a podcast here or there about, about yeah. maybe like Chicago or something like that. But um, I've been thinking about some stuff. But uh, if anything uh, comes up, you know, I'll let you guys know, and I'd love to, to do cool. stuff with you guys again. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's great. You know, we're, we're going to have uh, Case Rosenberg on. She's our next guest. That'll be on oh. Monday. That'll be the 20th. So April 20th, yep. she'll be on. So make sure – to listen to that, um, and yeah, Cole and Kyle, it's been it's been a pleasure. And Turner, thanks for uh, taking time out of. I know you're a busy schedule. You've got a big deal coming up on Monday, so I wish you nothing but the best of luck. It's great to have other KCOU uh, talent on, um, especially you know, and you know, you like you said, you are in Southern California, so that is a long distance away. And I'll be honest with you, without FaceTime and without Zoom, and I we brought up Skype, but I don't use Skype at all. And I really don't quite frankly know how to use it. But I think without Zoom, you know, this stuff isn't possible. And so I do think I do, I do think Zoom, not only from the podcast point, but academically, I think it's great. And really anything that you can get your hands on technology-wise nowadays is just fantastic. So I want to say thanks again from uh, the Golden Coast, as they call <laughs> it out there. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys for having me. You know, I've, I've been on it, uh, the show a couple of times, and I always have. Uh, a blast coming on to do it with you guys. You guys are uh, a great team. You guys do a great show. And, you know, I always love coming on and just uh, flapping my gums for a while and, and just talking sports, man. It's always a good time. Always is. Always is. Well, I'll do it. The triple Threat brought to you by Stickland Dry Law Firm for Chance Stickland, Cole Tucson, Tanner Klingemeyer. My name is Kyle Jones, and we will talk to you again later. So uh, have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back on a later edition of Triple Threat.